Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. Two shows in a week. We are spoiling you, Ambassador. Don't know if you guys had that Ferrara Rocher advert over here back in the 80s and the 90s, but anyone from back home in the UK will, will know what I'm talking about. So... Hopefully, we can make this show more exciting than the 0-0 draw between the Whitecaps and the Dynamo. Obviously, for this 0-0 draw, we will be delving into it for 90 minutes before turning into anything else. No, obviously, I joke. We will be rattling through that game because there is not tons to talk about. But before we even get to that, I've got an apology to make. I've been critical of English fans... But they got it right. Football is coming home. They just meant to Vancouver. And they were just a little bit premature. So well done to them for, for calling that. Because the Whitecaps are coming back to Canada. If you smell what the rock is cooking. I was trying to turn that into a football thing. But it hasn't quite worked. But yes guys. The Whitecaps are returning from Utah. After the game in LA at the weekend, they will be coming back to train on Tuesday at the training centre. It's very exciting. They've still got another game that they have to play down in Utah. We will cover all of that in the next part. But are you excited to have the boys finally coming home? I'm excited for them. Um, to me, at this point, well, the thing is, I don't know when they're going to play. It's probably not going to be till late August. So it's not. It's, it's they're coming home, but they'll be going on a road trip as soon as they come home or, or yes. stuff like that. So it's not like they're playing home until right now. So I'm excited for them because they, it's good for them to come home and not have to do these long trips and everything like that, or, or not long trips, but be oh, away. They've from got longer home. trips now. Yeah. Yeah. No, they got longer <laughs> trips. Yeah, exactly. But um, what I'm saying is they're being away from home, like uh, for extended periods, obviously their, their family was there, but still your life is in Vancouver. You're still yes. like a guest somewhere else when you're doing it. it's not home. And not, um, not so, everyone's families went down with them as, as oh, well. Oh, okay. And well, there's, there's, there's some guys that haven't even seen Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hopefully the visas are good to go to come back into Canada. And hopefully the wildfire smoke keeps going in an easterly direction and doesn't suddenly change and, and come west because they might think, mm. what have we come to? But um, it, I mean, it's, it's, we'll delve into it in the next part of that, but it, it is good. It's, it's what I think a lot 
of the players and Mark DeSantis and the management team. They've just been wanting for so long. So I'm delighted for them more than anything. Yeah, I, I won't be with the, the fans who are trying to gather at the airport or anything to welcome them back. But he, yeah, I, I, thought that, I thought it was a nice touch, but there is still a pandemic going on, guys. So. <laughs> yeah, and are they are they on a charter flight? Because I saw people yes. speculate. Yeah, see, people were like, oh, the Air Canada flight comes into this time. I was like, I think they're on a they'll charter. They'll be, they'll be, well, MLS, you have to charter. So yeah. it's like there's, there's still no just commercial flying because the pandemic is not over. And if yeah. you look at some of the stats coming out of America in the last couple of weeks, it's most definitely not over. But we won't delve into that anymore just now. This part, we're going to look at the Whitecaps' latest game. Nil-nil with Houston Dynamo. Not a lot to talk about in this one. The, the Caps went into it on a high. They, they beat LA. Short 72-hour turnaround, though. Houston coming into this two weeks off. So we talked about it at the weekend show... Were they going to be rusty? Were they going to be fresher? But they were coming into this winless on the road, winless in six. They've left it still winless on the road, winless in seven. But this was a game that if you looked at the, the, the fixtures coming up for the Whitecaps, you circled this one as a definite potential three-pointer. I feel it was a game they should have won. Could they have won it on the night? There was a couple of chances. I, I think a draw on the night was probably the, the fairest result. But I, I, I think it was a, a wasted opportunity, Steve. I agree that it, it could have been a win, but the fact that it was a 72-hour turnaround, that made it very difficult. Um, and again, like you said, Houston, were they rusty? Were they, were they fresher? That played a part. Um, the, but the, for me, the biggest factor was um, some of the... Th- some of the lineups that were lineup changes that were made that didn't really work out for me. Um, but overall, I think they, they definitely could have won it. One or two changes in that lineup, not people that they took off, but people they didn't put on, I think could have made a big difference. And I'm talking about up front. Yeah. I, I mean, what's your overall thoughts on the game, Zach, before we get to the, the lineup part? Just what, what, did, what did you make of the overall performance? Yeah, I kind of want to talk about the lineup like Steve as well, but I think the overall performance is it's uh, it was I think it was it was good enough for a draw, but I agree with you that they'll be disappointed that they didn't take all three points. As, as we were talking in the in our preview on the last show, it, it, it this felt like a game that was really there for the taking based mm-hmm. on Houston's um, inability to win away from home and their current form. Uh, players they were missing, all these, there was a number of factors where it felt like uh, this needed to be a win for Vancouver. So disappointing that it's disappointed for them that it's not. But I also agree with your assessment, Michael, that based on how the game actually played out on the field, a draw seemed like the the correct, uh, the yeah. correct result based on, on the, yeah, the run of play. Well, well let, let's get to the lineup. We'll get, we'll get your thoughts on that then. Only two changes, both on the defensive side. I would have freshened the midfield up because, I mean, the defence, they were very solid against LA. In this one, again, they, I mean, they were a solid defensive effort and Thomas Asal didn't have much to do. If you're picking players of the game, they probably are all on the d- defensive side. I, I would have liked to have seen that midfield freshened up just because that's where... The, the weakness is, uh, as we've, we've talked about, as 
along with perhaps finishing opportunities that that are presented to you. But what, what did you make of the the lineup then, Zach? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, the one, the only thing that I felt was better from the midfield was it felt like they learned some lessons from the previous game in terms of playing more of a um, a triangle as opposed to playing more flat. Mm. And I think they did were a little more flat in this, and 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 they were that helped them. But I, I agree with you. It would have been nicer to see some uh, some options in there, even if they were younger options like Metcalf or you know players players like that or or Caillou, you know, starting. Um, I mean, Mark said afterwards that Godoy was rested because they're looking at the long-term thing. He could have gone in this, but I, I guess they are worried because he has had so many injuries that they don't want to risk too much. So, I mean, that took away my option of having Andy Rose as a, a defensive midfielder. Yeah. Mark has kind of hinted we may see all three of them in this run of games. But yes, some some younger blood in that midfield, or at least earlier substitutions to bring them in, I think yeah. would have been good. I I really really wanted to see Godoy and Ranko again at centre back. I, I did too. I think yeah. that was a, a real missed opportunity. Um, I I think it was probably good to rest Brown at right back and to bring and to bring Jake Jake on there, even though I. Yeah, well, as we talked about in our chat, he's probably mm. the fourth or fifth best right back at the club. Yeah, right, right now. But I, um, like in saying that, though, he had a he had very solid performance. Yeah, he was. He doesn't offer player. enough offensively for for my liking for a for a fullback, but I defensively can't knock him. Yeah, I saw somewhere he was the highest rated player. Yeah, the he game was Vancouver. Yeah, um, which is which is based on the fact that they attacked him the most, especially in the, I think the second half. Yeah, and he came through without conceding, but. Um, I mean, they they only allowed one shot on target. They kept a clean sheet. The flip side of that is that there was no goals for the White Caps, no shots on target for the whole ninety minutes from the White Caps. The front line didn't seem on the the same page, and I, I guess my my big annoyance just seemed to be Steve that White seemed a step off where he needed to be. Dahomey sent a few dangerous balls into the box and he was just either the ball was just ahead of him or he wasn't tall enough to get to it. And obviously there's, there's not yeah. a lot you can do to, to make yourself taller. Yeah. But he, he just seemed to step off where they wanted him to be. And that's where my... I, I wish they had done something at the striker position if they were going to play a, a really tight midfield with the back line. And they were only going to push the three guys forward, uh, the front line. That they needed a more athletic third player, and I thought that if not, if not to start, I thought they should have brought in either a toss or a Theo Bear in sooner, um, knowing yeah. that uh, Dahomey was very spot on with his crosses in this game. He had a lot, of, a number of good crosses that uh, White, especially I think it was the one that really was the biggest, probably annoying one, was in the second half. Around the around the hour mark, or maybe a little bit after the hour mark, uh, just before they substituted uh, Tosin Rickinson, that he just yes. wasn't able he was he wasn't able to get to the ball. And if he had just been a step quicker, that was in the net. Or I, if I, it was a different striker, I, I think. Well, I mean that's the thing, Zach. Like Mark wants Kava in the six yard box. If White had been in the six yard box, I think one of those would have been put away. Both of them are quite slow attackers. They, they don't have that pace. 
Yeah, which is something that uh, our, our German friend Man, Manu Veneth, uh, Manu yes. Beth brought up in the post game, which I thought was really interesting. Um, that yeah, very that, valid. Yeah, yeah. Neither of them are are. He basically said neither of them are fleet of foot, and more so that their pace differential to the the wingers that Vancouver has is is considerable. And yeah. Mark, of course, gave probably the the answer he needed to, being saying you know saying they have qual- all of our. All of our nines have qualities that we value and appreciate and are useful to us and that kind of thing. But I agree with you that uh, pace and even, I guess you could argue, uh, positioning or movement, you know, um, from with a different approach could have led to at least a, at least a goal or and definitely some some shots on goal. I, I just want, I know we, we talked about this a long, long time ago, but I still think um, when you hit the framework of the goal, that should count as a shot on goal, but that's just me. Yeah, I I, I do as well. And, well, I mean, let, let's get to, to that, because, I mean, not much to talk about from the game. It was a game of two free kicks, one in each half. Houston, great free kick from Uruti, crashed off the right post. Second half, Christian Gutierrez, almost identical position, crashed off almost identical place on the right post as well. Crazily identical free kicks there. So, I mean, that was good. The thing I think that annoyed me most, though, from the chances that the Whitecaps did create was the second Gutierrez free kick, where it was lofted into the back post. Three Whitecaps go for it, and not one of them connected, or were even looking close to connecting. Any one of them gets something on that, you have to think there was a good chance that that would have gone in the back of the net. Yeah, it was, it was good service, good delivery. Yeah, frustrating. What's your thoughts on that one, Steve? Yeah, that's the one. That that, that wasn't the most frustrating. Like I said, the one earlier was more frustrating for me because it was so close. Mm. Uh, this was just, uh, uh, I hate to say it, but a typical white caps uh, kind of uh, uh, inability to get their foot on the ball or any car- kind of part of their yeah, body. Any so, part of their body. Yeah, so it's just it, it's very typical of what we've seen before. The subs in this game as well, it's not the first time you look at the bench and you're like, you know, there's not a lot of spark on the bench for us if we want to bring it on. And then you've got Houston making a couple of really dangerous subs on the hour mark. Like, you've got the luxury of bringing on a Mimo Rodriguez. It's like fantastic. And and, and Darwin Contreras. Oh, Dar- yeah, Darwin Contreras. Well, I know well. he's not, not in form or anything, but... No, but he, he can yeah, but he hasn't basically done anything uh, this year at all. Like, not even one goal. He's a so, surprise. It's so, like, so he's a guy that should be doing so much more. You could you could say potential danger in that substitution, but nothing from historical since he's joined Houston. Like, that's that's he's, fair. He's only come on as subs. I don't think he's. Oh, maybe he's had one start or something like that. But he's basically done nothing since he's come on uh, for them. Well, I just just when you so look- this year. When you look at the talent and the abilities of those two benches, it's pretty glaring. Yeah. that That's definitely where the Whitecats fall down with having such a young and inexperienced side that when you've got guys away on international duty or injured, your bench looks weak, for, for want of a better word. But it didn't cost them. Neither did Houston get in a corner in the dying seconds of stoppage time. When they won that, I was like, uh-oh, if this, if they score from this, 
I just don't know what the damage is going to do to this team. But they held on. So those ghosts are hopefully well buried now. Anything else you want to talk about from the game? Mm, no. I, I, there, were, there weren't any notifications that I need to talk about. <laughs> there were none, probably, literally. Just started the game, halftime, and then ended the game. <laughs> I, I, I think that as disappointing as, it, as the coaches will be and the, the players will be, I think the fact that they didn't lose is a positive. And the fact that they are, what is it? I can't remember now, four points or whatever out of a playoff spot. And, and, That's changed a little bit. Oh, right, today, oh, there's games, right? Yes. Sorry. We'll cover that. That, 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 they're, that they're whatever, whatever. Four they were seven. three points out of the playoff spots and now uh, when seven. you finished the game. Is it seven? I haven't looked at the table today. I think it's six now. Okay, so six points back, I think, is not... You know they're 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 partially where they want to be, which is in touching distance. Obviously, yeah. they want to be in there, but I, I I I don't think it's you know obviously it's not good enough. But I think for who they are, what they have, what what Mark has at his disposal, I think coming off the back of a win and then not losing this game, I think is a is a positive for them. When when did uh, Cavallini and um, uh, Carducci go? That was back. That, their last game was against. Carducci, Carducci hasn't gone again. anywhere. Crepo, Crepo. <laughs> <laughs> You're just obsessed with Marco Carducci. No, it's because they have the same initials. Then I just keep getting uh, confused. <laughs> um, they went. Yeah, the the our our Sol game was the last. Yeah, game, right? the, the, the the first game without them. Yeah. So after that, they 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 picked up a win. They basically won one and one. Since they left, obviously the loss was the probably the worst of all of it. Um, so it's just a mad, the kind of treading ground while these two, you know, their two main players are gone. So it's a matter of waiting until they come back and re- other reinforcements come in, and hopefully that's in enough time that they can turn it around. But big game coming up in a week time for sure. Yeah, definitely. Or three days. Yeah, much less than a week. Um, let's hear now from both head coaches after the game. So we'll, we'll hear first of all from Houston's Tab Ramos, and then we'll hear a little bit from Vancouver Whitecaps, Mark DeSantis. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was a well-fought game. I think both teams obviously gave it everything they had. Uh, both teams were looking for the win. Um, I thought for a road game, you know, our team did well. In particular, we're continuing to improve in our possession game. I thought maybe in the first half we didn't do as well, but I thought the second half uh, we had some very good moments in particular um, uh, towards the end of the game because I think it's, you know, it, it, it definitely looked like our team was, was looking for the win and, and, uh, and we pushed number forward and, and we almost got it. How would you describe the level of frustration um, as not being able to win on the road yet, if, if there is any at all? I, I don't have any frustration at all. Um, I'm trying for the team to play better and better and to win more games, whether it's at home or on the road. Just so happens that we haven't won on the road. Obviously, it's more difficult to win on the road. Uh, but I think today, certainly the game could have gone either way. And if anything, I think we probably did a little bit more uh, to win the game. So I'm, I'm happy with the team and the effort that they made today. It was kind of a flashback to last year going back to playing in an empty, empty stadium again. How, what was that like? For you mentally yeah. and then for any, everybody. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point because it, it, it reminds you of how bad it was. And, uh, and I was talking to Mark DeSantos after the game, 
And I said, man, this has got to be so difficult for you guys still to be to be in this, you know, uh, at least now you get to go home. So I'm happy for them. Uh, I know this has not been easy for any of the Canadian teams, um, and I'm happy for them that they get to go home. The the game to tonight, it felt a really solid defensive showing from the team. Not a lot to deal with, but what they dealt with, they dealt with admirably. And kind of touching on what Manuel asked there, it, it felt like the crosses were coming in, but they were just either a step too far ahead of Brian or he just wasn't tall enough to get on the end of them. Is, is that kind of how you, you saw the game play out? Yeah, look, uh, Michael, I, I thought that, you know, our moments of pressure have, have, have been good in the last two games. You know, we we had a good good intensity in the first half. Uh, we we didn't look like a team that played 72 hours ago versus a team that rested for 13 days. I actually thought uh, we would get more under pressure and, and Houston would have more energy. Uh, but we had good energy in the game. Uh, then we, we we have the ball in the opponent's half. Uh, what you have to be always careful with is in transition, uh, the runs of Fafa Pico, the runs of Uruti. Uh, that's where they could have been a little bit dangerous. Uh, but then again, when we're in the opponent's half and around the, the final third, around the box, I felt we lacked a spark. We lacked, maybe it would have been a, a different game if both, if all Dajo, Brian, and, and Daber were were at least with the, the seven days match-to-match -match rest and recovery. So I felt that in some moments it was a second late, uh, a yard late, uh, a run that wasn't done that was necessary to be done. And and that spark felt, um, we felt that wasn't, wasn't there, you know. Uh, in the second half, again, it was very similar. But I think in the second half, the, the danger was the game started to open up a little bit. Our lines were stretched. And then when they brought Quintero in memo, there was always a, a factor maybe of danger for them uh, because it's players that have quality to, to make something happen. Um, but I think, like you said, we still... Look, today, tonight we, we played a very disciplined game overall but we were not able to to just find and unlock the opponent in in moments like that even though if Dajo had a few crosses incredibly dangerous Guti hit the post uh they hit the post too and then there's a a free kick uh, that goes so close where 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 Andy arrives half a yard late you know so I didn't feel it was big chances but there was a lot of VAF chances that could have done, it could have been better. Looking, we touched on this when we, we spoke yesterday, looking at the schedule that's to come, it's tough managing the squad and trying to get the best out of the players. Is it going to be kind of a case for these games that's coming up? You're just going to maybe have to wait until the day before or the day of the game to make some of your decisions? Or do you have a set team in no, mind? No. There, there, There's no... You know, coaches that plan it, like you play here, these guys play there, they get so surprised with the week of uh, player X as a, a, a knock that nobody was expecting or a change that you had planned that you can't do anymore. Uh, so it's it's very dangerous uh, doing that. We're, we're, we manage players that have... 
more uh, tissues that are are different because every every muscle has some players have different type of tissues some are more explosive than others some need more rest than others um, but then there's others that that it's just hard to to make plans and change like that uh, but we we try to plan as much as we can but it's really a, a case of tomorrow we have a day off and we're back here Thursday. Uh, there's a lot happening around our, our team right now. Also, you know, always talks about when we're going to return and things like that. So I think today, the, the, the day off tomorrow after the game against Galaxy Houston is needed. And then tomorrow night, I'll already receive some reports on how guys are doing. And then Thursday night, we could start thinking about what's next, you know. And sometimes people ask me, oh, rotation of center backs. Maybe we'll need the three center backs to play on, on Saturday. You know, we, we have to think about everything very well. Right, switching out, Eric can bring an Andy in. It, it seemed, it worked, but it seemed surprising not to maybe give Eric and Ranko a couple of games together to, to get a bit of familiarity. Was it just to, to, to rest the guys up? Yeah, no, uh, trust me, Eric is a player that he would be, he would be, if, if, if he would have played today, would be fine. But there, there's things that we have to manage and then we have to trust that the other players we have in our roster could do the job. So there's a trust and recovery. This day was very good for Eric. This day was very good for Eric. So um, he would have played if we would ask him to, but we have to manage. And we, we look at the full picture of the year and we don't want to lose guys for two or three months because of stupid decisions. So the gaffer's there, just talking about the game. MDS, pretty upbeat. But there is a, a tough spell to come, obviously. I mean, they, they're, they're disappointed that they didn't get the win, uh, as they should be. Now, depends if you're a glass half full or a glass half empty person. And both of these are factually accurate. So the Whitecaps is one loss in five, if you want to look at the optimistic viewpoint. Or it's one win in ten. If you want to look at the pessimistic viewpoint, both are correct. How do you look at things? I think the Vancouver is a glass city. <laughs> Very good. What about you, Steve? I, I've got to say I'm more in the one in ten. That's just the uh, pessimistic I'm, Scottish nature of mine, though. Yeah, I'm because uh, I'm I, I I don't games that are like far on or whatever, especially in football. I'm not worried about the last 10 games and more worried about the last you know essentially here for the last five um and I'm I, I that's, the next 10 no well yeah uh, but i usually look at five game intervals i don't look at 10 game intervals because that's there's such a huge gap because they play a week apart typically um so i usually look at five so in this case i i, I would probably look at you know one loss in five games even though i the i, I believe like essentially two of them uh, two of those draws should have been wins uh, because they had held the lead late in the game. Yeah, um, so it's frustrating. So, 
Yeah, so it, it, you you wanted you want actually three wins in the last five games. That would be ideal, but one loss in five games, I guess you have to look at it that way. Well, that is a positive way of looking at it, and there's been other positive news for Vancouver as we touched about at the start of the show. The boys are coming home. We'll talk about that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the latest song from this month's Artist of the Month here at AFTN, Edinburgh band Goodbye Mr McKenzie, with a song from their third studio album and fifth album overall, 1994's Five, and that was a song, Normal Boy. That was the last album they recorded with Shirley Manson before she joined Garbage. And that was her in the vocals there. And that's, that whole album's got a more kind of grungy feel because they were very influenced by grunge at that point. And mm. then Shirley Manson went on and formed Garbage and got worldwide success. I believe I read up on this uh, this thing that the, she was actually supposed to record more um, vocals and be kind of be more present in the album. But it eventually ended up only being this song that she was on. Yeah, well, her and the lead singer were going out and there was creative as well as personal differences. So basically, I just, I I think she was getting a lot of the attention. He didn't quite like that. And that was the end of it. And then, yeah, yeah, it was the end of the group as well because she's obviously a big star. And then they joined, uh, they formed Angelfish or something. Yeah, like that. that was basically the remainder of the band, which they were yeah. never as good, but yeah. they reformed in 2019 and they've had a couple of sold out gigs in, in Scotland and I'd love to see them again. I don't think I've seen them since the early 90s. So that would be Did Matt, Matt, Manson didn't join, rejoin the group, right? No, no, she okay, hasn't. Okay, so it's just, it's just the guys. So yeah. Actually, I must have seen them about when that album came out in 94. I'm sure everyone listening to this is absolutely fascinated. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> the song Normal Boy, because everyone is wanting some normality back these days. The thing I've learned is in the UK, we say normality, but here you guys say normalcy. I've used both. Mm. It's something Caitlin pointed out to me because she said, you're saying that wrong. I'm like, no, I'm not. 
And then we looked it up and that was why. But anyway, everyone is looking for some kind of normal. What is the normal these days? Well, the Whitecaps might be getting back to a bit more normal feel. Because as we talked about, they're coming home at long last. Pending government exemptions being granted. They should be playing a home game at BC Place against LAFC on August 21st. They will be coming home though before that. They will be leaving after, funnily enough, playing LAFC down in LA on Saturday night, flying home to Vancouver, having their first training session at the training up at UBC on Tuesday the 27th. They then cancelled their game on the 28th against Austin. Austin agreed to move that game to September so it can be at BC Place. And then they've got one more home game that they should have been playing here, but they can't. So they're playing that in Utah. So they'll fly back down to Rio Tinto to take on Minnesota in what is a massive game standings-wise, and we'll come to that shortly. And that is on the 31st of July, a week on Saturday. And the folk are like, well, why haven't they been able to get into BC Place? And we touched on this a little bit in the last show, but basically the Whitecaps had to make a decision in May as to, to what they were going to do. And at that point, the government, they didn't know what they were going to do with border, with exemptions, everything like that. So the Whitecaps have a hold on dates at BC Place. So they had to give up the, the holds on the dates in July. And that is why they can't play at BC Place. Now, they did look at playing at another stadium in in BC. I'd, I was pushing for them to play at Swan Guard, like the old days. But if you want fans in, it's problematic with how many you can have in, if you want to have distancing, security, all, all that kind of stuff. So the decision was made to play that game down in Utah. So at least it's only one more game. And then they will be back August 21st. Hopefully, that the start of nine, nine home games that they can maybe make the most a home field advantage and get Fortress BC place. Is there a reason that the August 21st hasn't been announced officially yet? Yes, because officially the government has not given exemptions to any of the three Canadian MLS teams. Well, two of them are using exemptions. No, they're using temporary, so they haven't got permanent. Oh, okay. So So Vancouver doesn't even have a temporary one for August 21st, is what you're saying? Right now, no. Um, Because Montreal and Toronto only had it for the next couple of weeks. So it's all still to get agreed. But if you're giving it to baseball, you're giving it to hockey, surely you can't say no to to football when you've got players that are fully vaccinated. Yeah, and I think it's a matter of them probably working with MLS. Maybe it's been a little bit slow. You know how long it takes them to you know, set up a contract and everything like that and their thing. <laughs> so they're, they kind of drag their feet a little bit probably. And it's just a matter of getting every, all the T's, you know, dotted and, and the eyes crossed and everything like that, and should be good to go. Oh, that's I think that's how MLS does it, right? Yeah, probably is how MLS does it. To be honest, whatever you say, Marco Carducci. <laughs> <laughs> but it it's a tough spell coming up for the Whitecaps. So they've got LAFC away this weekend. Then they've got a week's break till Minnesota at home in Utah at the end of July. August starts off with three games on the road: LA Galaxy. San Jose Earthquakes, Austin. Now, from from watching the games, they look like tough games. San Jose and, and Austin, 
maybe even the Galaxy, you could maybe get points from those. Austin do look very good at, at home just now. But even then, when they do return home, they've got LAFC, which is a, a tough game. But they do tend to do well, at least at BC Place, uh, against LAFC. If, let's have a quick look at the standings, because it's been a, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so it's been a full night of MLS action. I, I like the zone. When you go onto the website or you go onto your phone and it lets you, if you switch on spoilers, it lets you watch where the goals took place or whatever. Yeah. So for, for quickness, to save watching four seven-minute highlights, I rattled through all, all the games tonight. So we're, we're not going to go through everything, but basically just just the results for the, for the West. Kansas City and San Jose drew one all. San Jose took the lead in that one in the second half. They were I, I actually watched the first half of that one. It was all it was Kansas good, City. Yeah, it was against a run of play for sure in oh, that one. I mean, San Jose looked really poor. And then they've got this knack. It's almost a bit like what the Whitecaps can do of suddenly from a set piece, they're a danger and they put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. And it was, it was Nathan that scored, not Mr. Whitecaps, but the San Jose's <laughs> Nathan. And they held that lead until stoppage time. And well, they lost. They lost a guy too. Well, yeah, but that was after Kansas was it? City oh. tied it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. Yeah, because uh, Daniel well, Shaloy he tied it up after Johnny Russell great free kick off the post, and there was a tap in from Shaloy. Well, they um, almost had a penalty in the 90th minute too, and that was oh, no, uh, reverse by VAR. That I did yeah. see. Yeah, that was reverse by VAR. Uh, that got reversed by VAR. Then they scored the goal. Then they then the red card happened. Yeah, yeah, because straight from the kickoff they were pushing forward, and then Judson brought down. I can't remember who he brought down, but then it was a second yellow, and he was sent off. Yeah. From a Whitecaps point of view, the more draws that there are right now helps us, and the more that the top four, the top five, can beat the teams below them and kind of pull away a bit, that kind of helps us as well. One of those teams that's in the top five just now is Colorado Rapids, who still are looking very impressive. And yeah. I watched again a little bit of this game, and then I just caught up with the what the goals were. It's a two 0 win to Colorado, absolutely fantastic header to open the lead from Abu Bakar, and then Michael Barrios with a shot that kind of the keeper it's... I think was sort of. Couldn't see the ball coming through. Yeah, it was shielded a little bit. But it was it was very typical Michael Barrios goal. Like yeah. it's like copy and paste kind of goal for him. And then I I've watched little bits of all these games, and then I watched all of Portland and LAFC. But the other game was RSL LA two all draw, another good result for the Whitecaps. Salt yeah. Lake were two goals up. And LA came back, yeah. Yeah, Vasquez got one in the 33rd minute and the Revelison got one in the 77th minute to tie it up. It was a, an entertaining match from the Vas first half that I saw. Vasquez's goal uh, was identical to where he sent in the cross, except this time he scored. Mm. Like, same same part in the box that he, he sent in the cross against the Whitecaps, he scored. In the, so, and it was basically our same stadium, so essentially the same spot. Then the last game tonight, I watched this on TSA and had that on the telly, had Pacific game on the laptop. Portland beat Saturday's opponents for the Whitecaps, LAFC 2-1. In the death. Yeah, they scored early, they scored late. Valeri two minutes in, Mora 93rd minute, with Vela tying it up in the 17th minute. I mean, a draw would have been really good for, for the Whitecaps in this one. I 
foolishly, I'm still holding out hopes and looking at things that might help the White Cats in a playoff thing. <laughs> because without hope, what's the point of watching football? But, I mean, Portland looked good in this one. LA's defence looked susceptible. And as we talked about in the weekend show, with the goal that RSL scored against them at the weekend, you run at that defence and they, they have problems. That surely has to be the, the that, White Caps modus operandi for the weekend. That's which what is happened why I in, think we'll see Ricketts or Bear start up top. Yeah, that's what happened in that winning goal too. It's just basically Blanco sent it into the box and the defence could not handle the score. Mora, I think it was Mora. Yeah. 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 Um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I really think, yeah, Diber and Dahomey are going to be given instructions to, yeah, dribble at, dribble through, uh, take advantage more of one of one on ones as opposed to just build, like, build up play, build up passing, um, that they're going to be instructed to take on that defense when they play them. And I'll, I'll, I'll quickly, uh, talk about susceptible defenses in New England five. Oh, yes. Inter Miami zero nil, uh, in that one. Um, I mean, who other... would have thought Gary Neville would have struggled as an MLS head coach? <laughs> what, not, one, not Steve. <laughs> one, one of the um, um, uh, games that actually you were talking about how boring the Houston-Vancouver uh, game was, a nil-nil. Yeah. Uh, Columbus and Nashville, The high, I saw the highlights for this one. It was just all over the place. Like, oh, that was when I didn't even bother watching because I saw it was nil-nil. No, they at the end of the game, it was just everybody collapsed on the field. That's how crazy that game was. Like Columbus oh, wow. had so many chances, and Nashville was just stopping them every single time. It was unbelievable. Great oh, maybe check that out. I didn't watch the only one I haven't seen anything of was that one and the Montreal game because Montreal lost to NYC. Yeah, ending their streak. Yeah, time for my regular moan off why do they not let the zone show the montreal games if they're showing it on french tva and tsn's not showing them let us watch it in english please yeah it's weird also because tv tva or whatever is not widely available because you no. typically i wouldn't if it was on my tv in french i would record it yeah i think you have to pay to to get the the french stuff unless you do and tell us which is why they're not letting the zone show it hmm <laughs> But the standings after those games, there's one game tomorrow, which is Austin and Seattle. It's at Austin, I think. Let me double check that. I'm pretty sure it was at Austin. Um, so, I mean, Austin, yeah, it is. So Austin yeah. could have a chance in that one. Vancouver had moved up to 11th with the, the point that they had got on Tuesday night. San Jose's point today, though, dropped them back down to 12th. They're still one point ahead, two points ahead of Dallas now. At the top... Seattle out on top because KC only drew so they didn't make up the, the game in hand that they had. Then LA in third and 25, Colorado Galaxy. 24. Oh yeah, Galaxy, I should say. LAFC fifth and 21, Portland sixth and 19, Minnesota on 18. So we're, we're five points behind and some of the teams above us have a game in hand. That that For me, that Houston one, I'm, I'm not saying and calling it now that that's damaged our, our playoff hopes irreversibly because we know what MLS is like if you string a few results together. I just feel it's a costly two points dropped and I think it makes the Minnesota game next Saturday massive for them. Yeah, as much as I think they can take positives from it right now it definitely is a result that down the road could be problematic. Well, LAFC's next up at the weekend. We won't delve into too much of a, of a preview of it. I worry what might happen 
in this one. Personnel-wise, I think you bring Eric Godoy back. I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe see five at the back and they bring Andy Rosen as well so they can switch to a 3-5-2-5-3-2 depending on what they want to do. And I think we see Ricketts or Theo Bear start up front to get that pace. Could be Theo's time. And then, as you said, like get Dahomey and Caicedo if they're both in to run at them. I don't, I've got a funny feeling one of them might be dropped and we might see Ryan Raposo in. Well, if you go 3 5 2 or 5 then, 3 yeah. then assume, presumably Gutierrez is going to be on the left and either Jake mm-hmm. or more likely Brown is going to be on the right. Yeah. So yeah. then I think, yeah, you're going to have one of those guys partner toss or Theo up top. Yeah, I think it'll be, probably, probably be Dahomey. Yeah. Yeah. Caicedo maybe bring Raposo into the midfield, but I don't know how he would. No, I, I I don't think you would need to put Raposo. I think you just have uh, if you're doing five three two, figure out who you want to play in the midfield. But basically, maybe uh, Alexandra. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. it's got to be Kyle and Baldy, and probably be Kel then, I guess. Or Owusu if he if he if he's oh, out of the house. Let's talk about Owusu. I don't understand what is happening with him. It's another Derek Cornelius situation, and just yeah, it just <laughs> who Owusu Owusu. But I don't know what he has to do to to get some game time here. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's mind-boggling because it's definitely not an injury issue or somebody would have brought it up. Yeah, well, he's been on uh, the bench to, to come on as a sub. So, And but, Cam Habidala's not even been on the bench the, the last few games as well, which is a bit of a strange one. Um, so I, I think that the I think they definitely... I don't think Raposo will definitely not... I, I have a feeling he will definitely not be in the starting lineup. Uh, He'll probably uh, come but, on, though, because he didn't see yeah, any game time on Tuesday. But I think it's... Uh, up top, it's either Dahomey with White or Dahomey with Ricketts or, or Bear. So I think it's, that's probably what you're looking for up top. What What's your predictions for it? I'm going to get in early with 3-0 LAFC. 2-0 LAFC. Uh, okay, I'll go... You took all the good scores. Um, okay. I'll go 6-0 I'll the, LAFC. I'll, I'll go 4 now. No, I'll, go, I'll be the contrarian. I'm going to say 2-2. Ooh. I'm going to say some crazy stuff happens and 2-2. Because we were so optimistic after the LA game for the Houston game, and I said it's always a bad sign when we're. Well, I, I called I called it a draw. Yeah, well, yeah. So I mean, you were right. I do still need to go back and see how we're doing with all these. The you longer really this goes to. on, the harder I think that makes it for me. But anyway, but there's still been no new signings announced. Maybe Thursday, maybe Friday. I just have a sneaking feeling that because they're coming back to Vancouver and training is on Tuesday, I would not be surprised if they reveal Ryan Gold on Tuesday before training. Oh. Isn't, there, isn't there reports that he's in Vancouver right yeah, now? Yeah, Glass City had tweeted tonight that basically he's been told that he's in Vancouver. He'd been down in, in Utah, but it, it looks like he's already back in Vancouver. So fingers crossed that they can reveal him soon. Mark had said the new additions would be available for August. So July 31st is good as August. Yeah, I see. So I, I genuinely think they could reveal him on Tuesday at training. So I, I had a, I had a dental just, appointment that I have now shunted because I don't want to miss their first day back. Are you going to go to training that day? Yeah. Oh, what time is it at? Maybe I'll join you. Don't know yet. Uh, oh. It also might be limited because when they had folk back at training in the fall... Um, it was only a couple of people that were allowed to go on a on a given day. 
let's talk about the the other big news that came out this week just to round off this part. The 2021 oh. Canadian Championship is a goer. And things have changed slightly since I asked Mark about it uh, on Tuesday night. But if anyone hasn't seen it, the Whitecaps are in the first round of the the tournament this year. They don't get a bye like Forge, Toronto and Montreal. So they have to play the game that so many of us have been looking forward to for years. Pacific FC, a BC derby. The first time the Whitecaps have played a team in BC in a competitive game. Very, very excited for this one. Whoever wins that travels to face the winner of Edmonton and Cavalry. What What's your thoughts on the draw, the matchup with Pacific, and just the, the seeding of the Whitecaps? The the seeding of the Whitecaps thing, which MDS was obviously, you know, expecting. Quite irate about. Isn't that based on the tournament last year? Yeah, but he is saying that they've basically changed the criteria because in previous years it was where you finished in MLS that got you the buy. Right, which he's correct. However, I would say to bring, I would like to see with most things them bring things in line with football in the rest of the world, and in the rest of the world, and sorry, in the majority of the rest of the world, what determines your your seating in a. Uh, a tournament like this is what happened in the previous year, either in the tournament or in, in your league standing. So, because his argument not... is in the league standings, Vancouver got more points than Montreal. Right. Yeah, but because I think... they obviously didn't play the tournament last year. But in 2019, Cavalry had knocked them out. But I like going with the tournament because not all the teams are in the same actual pyramid. Yeah, but you gotta if you're gonna do something like that, you have to announce it beforehand and not wait for the next the year and just change it on the fly. I I'm just I, I'm just like if you're gonna yeah. do that, you announce it this year. Starting this year, it'll be depending on what you do in the tournament for next year. I I hundred percent agree with you, yep. Steve. But based on history and how they've announced these things, I don't think this is out of line with No, it's not. That's what that's the that's the uh, the big because I guarantee you that they will change back if, for some reason, Toronto FC gets knocked out early in this thing or something like that. <laughs> Probably. That, that's not and an fact. And in fact, if I see, I can also see if Toronto FC gets knocked out in the semifinals, they'll just hand them the championship after. <laughs> when yeah. when when the when the final can't be played due to due to uh, the, the the fourth fifth wave of the pandemic, they'll just make TFC the, the representative. I've, as Zach said there, MDS was not overly happy with how things played out. Let, let's play you some audio from, from Mark now. I asked him after the, the game against Houston just for his thoughts on the draw and the tournament being back. So here's what he had to tell me. So the, the draw has been made for the Canadian Championship. You've got the match that a lot of the supporters are wanting, Pacific FC... A local, a real local derby, as opposed to having to go hours and, and cross the border. Just what what have you made of the draw, the competition, and the fact that the game's getting played two days before a, a crucial MLS game? I, uh, I'm look. I think it's excellent. I I love cups. I think that you know the, the it always gives a chance to second or third division teams, and uh, it's exciting for our fans. It's exciting for for the clubs involved, the CPL, every league one and every club inv involved. 
I'm I'm disappointed with the schedule. Number one, I don't know why we we don't start ahead of uh, another MLS team because last year we had more points than them. That's number one. Number two, and you could go see, and it's a fact. If we have more points than them, we're ahead. Why do we play uh, starting back? And then we haven't been enough on the road that our run to reach the final is always on the road. So... That is another thing that I would like to 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 be explained to me. But you know, we we're creating a mentality with the group of I don't think anything faces us right now. You take us and we go play in I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way to any country, because I love this country. I, I've lived there. But if tomorrow we play home games in Mozambique, it will be normal. Good. Oh, Mozambique, let's go play, no problem. So right now, I, I just think it's a real a, a weird schedule. Number one, we finish with more points than a team. We should be in front. And number two, uh, what? Are we going to play on the road every day? It's enough. We've been enough on the road, you know? So I'm a little bit disappointed with that, but I'm excited that there's going to be a Canadian championship. So MDS there, just chatting about the, the seeding not happy the other thing that he wasn't happy about which has subsequently changed is the game is getting played on thursday august 26th two days later the whitecaps have a big mls game at bc place against real salt lake ridiculous timing why is it not on the the wednesday but as it now has turned out the whitecaps have managed to get rsl to agree to move that game to the sunday so they at least have the the three days in between I think that was a ridiculous decision to have that on the Thursday night. And I mean, you can't say it's for TV because the games are on one soccer. So it's like, it doesn't really matter. You're not going to be having tons of viewers for that. That and that just seemed really weird. And the thing is, all the other games are like all over the place. Like there's, yeah. you know, in the first round, the, the first round, it basically goes from August 7th, August 15th to the 26th. That's your first round matchups. Well, the second round also goes from the fourteenth to the twenty second. It's like yeah. Are there? Are there? Are there, is that a single knockout? Yeah, it's all it's okay. all single knockout. Oh, single so knockout. Yeah. they're just single, they're keeping their options open. The single knockout is exciting. Yeah, uh, with but, with the extra time and penalties, so it could be a long night over in the island on the twenty sixth. It feels like there's some missing information though, right? Like it feels like the Starlight West Hills, whatever stadium it's called. There, maybe there's a community booking on the Wednesday that week. Or could the be, because the week. rugby team's in there and, and stuff as well. But yeah, they could be chasing eggs all over that place. Yeah, I, I, it was just weird. But I mean, the, the thing for this, it's like fans are excited for it. We have got this BC Derby. The way that you grow football in this country is to have local derbies. And let's be honest, it's great going to Seattle. It's great going to Portland. I know it's not that much shorter going over to Victoria from, from different bits of the mainland to going down to Seattle. In fact, depending where you stay, it might be quicker going down to Seattle. But it's, to have a BC Derby just feels special. It's like when there's a Fife Derby for me back in Scotland, which is obviously a lot smaller uh, size-wise of the, the county. But it's, like, it's, it's great. It just adds to it. And for Pacific FC and for their fans... It's great for them. It's great for them to host. They get to to have a realistic chance of, of beating the Whitecaps in this one. The fact that the MLS game is now three days later is probably going to mean the Whitecaps will put out a stronger team than they maybe would have if it was just two days later. 
But I know well, that Mark is going to want to win this and and secure a spot in the the Champions League if they can win the whole tournament. Well, the thing is, is by August twenty sixth, uh, the Whitecaps might be out of the playoffs or the season might <laughs> yes, be over. This could so, be their big thing. So they they might put all their eggs in the basket of the Canadian Championship and not even worry about MLS and put the strongest lineup possible. And it's it's going to be a wonderful occasion at Starlight. I, I'm going over for it. Caitlin Mead's going to go over for a, a few days before. What about you guys? Do you think you'll head over? The, the family's talking about going going over for it, yeah. I've already uh, booked for that at times, so I won't be able to make it. We'll get you to a Pacific game yet. I, I was going to go over for the home opener, but basically now that they've got this, it's like I can't afford to go over for both, so I'll definitely be going over for this, get to training the day before, and... Looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting back into that stadium. It's absolutely wonderful stadium. And of course, a lot of the players in Pacific will be so up for this game because there's a lot of Whitecaps connections. This tournament, we spoke to Pam Duca about it actually last year when he, we did our first chat with him. And we said how magic it would be if he got to play the, the Whitecaps in, in this tournament and how special this tournament was to him. And you've got that, you've got assistant coach James Merriman had been in the academy here, so many of the players came through the Whitecaps. So I got a chance to ask assistant coach James Merriman just about the the draw, the match with the Whitecaps, and just what a special night it's going to be for Pacific. Here's what he had to tell me. The, the other big news that came out yesterday, I don't know how long you guys have known about it, but obviously the, the match-up so many fans have been waiting for, Pacific taking on the Whitecaps, coming up, Canadian Championship. You're one of the many guys that's got Whitecaps connections on this team. What's the mood of the group like with, with this game and just how much are you personally looking forward to and the, the test that you're going to face? I am. I mean, I spent, you know, almost six years with, with the organization, with the Whitecaps, um, a lot of good friends there. And, and you know, a, a big part of my growth as a coach was spent there. So I know a lot of the players, some of the young players that have now, you know, I got to work with have signed contracts and are in the first team now. You know, Michael Baldissimo, Cam Habibula, players like this that I spent three, four five years with. So uh, looking forward to to coaching against them and, and just seeing them on the pitch. But then also we've got a ton of players in our group um, that played in the, in the Whitecaps Academy. Pamiru Ka played and, and coached, as did I, Mark Village. I mean, Lagishin, our, our physiotherapist even. So there's so many ties between the two teams. And I know last year, you know, we were excited, but we still had to get through Edmonton. Uh, we would still have to play a match and, and win that match, obviously, to then go on and play the Whitecaps. Whereas now we know... We just focus on that is the first match of the Canadian Championship, so we can switch switch the focus to that. And I think everyone's generally just excited to to play the game. And then I know we've got a few players that are also looking to, you know, they've got something to prove, and uh, they're they're looking forward to this game. Pacific FC assistant coach James Merriman there. Everyone's definitely going to be up for it. It's going to be a special night. If you can get over to it, definitely do. Just I've seen a few folk talking about it and trying to sort out car shares and stuff. Just to let you know, though, you would have to have an overnight stay because the last ferry back is nine o'clock, so you would not make it back. So 
On a Friday and at the weekend is an 11.59 ferry, but that does not run on the Thursday. So if you are planning on going over, you need to kind of plan for an overnight stay. But hopefully they they pack it out to comfortable COVID levels. Let's just leave it at that. But just to finish this section off, let, let's look at the rest of the first round draw and what that's going to mean. So York United play Masters FA from League One in Ontario. The winner of that then plays Toronto in the quarters. Whitecaps take on Pacific, as we mentioned, and then Edmonton host Cavalry, and the two winners of that will meet. Um, the Whitecaps is a tough draw that they're in, because whoever would then win that could face Toronto in the semi-finals. Atletico Ottawa host Valor, and then the winners of that travel to Forge. And then Halifax Wanderers take on the Quebec AS Blainville side, and then the winner of that plays Montreal. So that could be a Quebec derby, or it could be another great game between Halifax Wanderers and Montreal. But, I mean, all in all, I'm just glad the tournament's back. The The final is scheduled for sometime between October 19th and 27th. With Toronto and Forge having first-round buys, hopefully they can fit in the 2020 final. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Crown that winner before we get the 2021 winner. Or what if what, can Forge and Toronto could play in this final, right? Yeah, they they could double champions, <laughs> double or nothing. AEW. <laughs> anyway, that is it for our Canadian Championship chat. But we're going to continue the Canadian vibe in the next couple of parts of the show where we're turning our attention to the Whitecaps opponents next month in the Canadian Championship, Pacific FC. We've got a couple of interviews to bring you, and we'll be back with the first of those after this. Hey, it's Marco Bustos. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. We die. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's former Artist of the Month here at AFTN, the wonderful Pete and Diesel from Stornoway in Scotland with their song Islands. Never tired of playing that. It's a wonderful song. The last track on their 2020 second album, Light My Buyer. If you didn't check them out when we played them as Artists of the Month, highly recommend you do. Absolutely wonderful band that I play way too often, my wife might argue, when we're driving along in the car. And of course, the reason I've played that is I've adopted that song 
for whenever we chat about Pacific FC on Vancouver Island. And Pacific are heading home, just like the Whitecaps, albeit a little bit earlier in actually taking to the pitch here in BC. Pacific FC will be flying home from Winnipeg after their final match was played on Wednesday, July 21st. They don't have a game at the weekend. They're one of four teams that will get to fly home early from the kickoff tournament. It wraps up this weekend, but for Pacific FC in Ottawa, it's already done. Forge and Cavalry will be wrapping things up on Thursday night. And Pacific just can't wait to get back home. They've got their very first game in front of fans at Starlight Stadium for the 2021 season, kicking off next Friday, July 30th. I had hoped to make it over for that game. Not going to be happening now, partly due to costs, but also partly because, as we mentioned in the last part, they will be playing Vancouver Whitecaps in Canadian Championship action at the end of August, so I'm saving my trip for that. But it's been a, a good start to the, the CPL season for them. Pamadou Ka has got them playing a very attractive brand of football. We've talked about it several times in the last few shows. They've been one of the joys to, to watch in this tournament, as far as I'm concerned. Paz got them playing a nice brand of football. There's a lot of players on the team that obviously we know from their Whitecaps connections and he's made other additions to the squad that are just very, very exciting to watch. So for the next two parts of this episode, we're going to be focusing on Pacific FC. And over the coming weeks as well, I'll be kind of hopefully covering them in every show, just building up to that big showdown on August 26th. And we've got a couple of interviews to bring you this episode. We're going to start things off in this part with one of the new additions that Pamaduka made to the Pacific team for this season. 23-year-old Northern Ireland midfielder Ollie Bassett. A guy that's had a very interesting journey to, to get to the CPL stage. He came through the youth ranks of Aston Villa, then Southampton. Played some lower league football in England before getting loaned out to non-league after making his debut as a 17-year-old, went and had a stint in New Zealand for a couple of years, and whilst down there, made a couple of contacts with people from the CPL that were playing down there, headed back to England when COVID happened, thought, why not go for another adventure? He's over in Canada now, he's with Pacific FC, and he's had a fantastic start to the season. One goal and two assists in his first six matches. He's been a shining light for Pacific FC. He's definitely going to be one of the guys that I think is going to be potential newcomer of the year candidate come the end of the season, if he keeps up his fantastic play so far. He's been great to watch an attack, linking up with Marco Bustos. He can play as an attacking midfielder, a second striker, even an out-and-out centre-forward if you want. So I got a chance to chat with Ollie last week. It was about a week ago that we chatted while Pacific still had two games left. So I'm going to bring you that for this part. So go make your favourite hot beverage, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy a chat with Pacific FC midfielder Ollie Bassett. So we're joined now by a, a man that is having his first season in the Canadian Premier League. He signed for Pacific FC. He's been one of their star performers in the, the opening games of this kickoff tournament that we've got going on at the moment. Welcome to the show, Ollie Bassett. 
Thank you for having me. Thank you. It, it's been a lot of fun watching you so far in these games, Ollie. Pacific six games in. I know you've kind of featured in five of them so far. How have you found life in the Canadian Premier League so far and, and life in the bubble? Um, yeah, I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it so far, actually. Um, it's my first time, you know, starting a season um, in sort of a bubble environment where, you know, we're all in the same place um, and, you know, we're, we're, you know, around each other pretty much 24-7. But, yeah, in terms of on the pitch, um, I've, I think I've settled in, you know, into the league pretty quickly. I've just tried to um, go out there and just play my normal game, you know, um, just do what's got to me this uh, got me to this point so far, um, and yeah, I just take every game as it comes, and and yeah, I'm just we're just looking forward to hopefully kicking on and you know um, finishing the the last two games um, as strongly as possible. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a good start for the team. We'll we'll kind of come to that towards the end of the interview. I, I want to take a look though just at your journey to to get into Canada, getting into the CPL. So I know you started your your youth career with Villa, you signed with them when you were eight and then you you got your scholarship with Southampton after that. How how was that whole experience as like a guy from the Midlands signing for one of the the big Midlands teams? I mean, how did you find that as a a young guy? Um, Yeah, it was was obviously, I think I signed when I was was eight. Um, So I trained with them for a year when I was when I was seven, but there was a rule or something, you can't sign until you're eight. Um, but yeah, it was obviously, it, it was good as, um, I think growing up, you know, all I wanted to do was really just play football. So to have the chance to um, go and play for, for Villa um, throughout the, the age groups um, from eight until 16. Um, and obviously train with, with good players and get coached by, you know, really good coaches. Um, yeah, I learned a lot from, from that experience and, yeah, I think that's obviously where I picked up, you know, most of most of my my skills and 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 you know the the technical side of the game was um, from spending you know so many years in in their academy. I, I remember I was reading a book a, a few years ago just about scouts uh, in football in the UK, and they were talking about hardly like I think it was something like ninety seven or ninety eight percent of guys that come through academies of the top teams then disappear from football they don't make the grade so I I know you'd moved from Villa you had a little bit of time in the Southampton youth ranks but then you ended up at Yeovil Town was that just at a point of your life where you thought I've got a better chance of making it if I if I kind of drop down to to a lower level and learn the game from there yeah certainly I think um, some guys now maybe um, can get trapped um, playing under 23s football or you know youth team football for for so many years and you know they kind of get strung along and, and stuff like that and then you know before you know it you're 22 23 and you've never played like a senior game and then you've got you know drop down to to work your way back up so I think at the time I was 17 18 um, and then obviously the Yeovil thing came about um, so I did my second year um, second year scholarship there um, whilst they were in league two. And then I think six six months into my to my second year scholar is when um, um, the the manager gave me my debut for the first team. Um, and then shortly after that, I signed my first first professional contract with them. So uh, I think I don't really regret regret doing that at all. You know, I think um, it was good for me to to um, you know break into the first team at such a young age. Um, 
Whereas I could have maybe stayed and, you know, played played youth football for another year. But I think to go and, you know, get myself into a first team environment was was pretty important as well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, making your, your debut at such a young age and then Yeovil loaned you out and you were with a, a couple of clubs in non-league. Now, we were, we were just chatting before we recorded this. I, I, I love non-league football. My team in Scotland's a, a lower league team as well. For a young guy, it it's a tough environment because you're playing yeah. obviously with a lot of older guys, some bruisers as well, that if they see a young guy with talent, likes to kind of take you out of the game. How did you find that that whole experience? Um, honestly, like I think first, I think non-league in, in England in general was, and might, might be the same in Scotland, I, I'm not sure, but I think it kind of gets overlooked a little bit. Um, mm. I think there's, you know, there's actually good players playing in non-league who, you know, for whatever reason, um, that they, they could be playing higher, but they, they might not have the ambition to play higher or, you know, whatever it is. But there's certainly good players that can be playing at a high level um, that maybe haven't had the opportunity or, you know, whatever reason it is for, for them personally. Um, but in terms of, for me, it was just a case of um, at the time when, when the new manager came in, I wasn't really, um, well, I wasn't playing um, for Yeovil, so I needed to get games. Um and, you know, if that, if that meant, you know, having to drop down, you know, a few leagues um, to, you know, get regular games against against men every week and, you know, play in a competitive league, then, you know, that's what I had to do. So, yeah, I think I went I went to Dorchester from from Yeovil, which was was pretty close to um, to where we were training and stuff like that. So I would still train with Yeovil full time, but I would play my games on the weekend with with Dorchester. Um so, yeah, I think for me at the time, like I said, it was just about, you know, getting games and playing week in, week out. Um, because when, you, when, when you're a footballer, you just want to be playing at the end of the day. You don't want to train all week to, to sit on the bench at the weekend. So, yeah, I think it definitely, um, you know, gave me the experience of, of playing with men, playing against men um, in, a, in a competitive league, you know, at still a relatively young age. So, yeah, I think that was definitely a, a positive experience for me at that time. I love that attitude because I think so many young guys, as you kind of say, they kind of get caught up. That they want to stay with the bigger teams, and they they end up having if they don't make it, then it's a tougher road for them. But to go and mm. get that experience and a really good blooding in the in the game, I think is invaluable. And then, of course, you ended up in New Zealand. Which how did that yes. come about? That seems quite random. Yeah, it's, you look at my career so far. It's been it's been all over the place. To yeah. be honest, um, it's great though. A lot of experiences. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty. Yeah, it's been unique for sure. Um, so after I left, um, after I left Yeovil, um, well, they they didn't renew my contract at the time. Um, I dropped down to well, I moved back home. So in non-league in England, there's um, because of how many teams there are, they split it up depending on you know where you're based in the country. Yeah. So back home for me was was um, between Birmingham and Nottingham, which is in the Midlands, and obviously Yeovil's down south. So I moved to another non-league team um, back home for a year. Um, but before that, I actually went on trial to um, to Burn Albion and um, Barnsley um, oh. to try and get a, to try and get a gig with um, an under twenty three or an under eighteens team. Um, and then it was actually a coach at Burton that put me in contact with someone in, in New Zealand. Um, and when he first put me in contact, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't not going to lie. I wasn't too sure about going over there because I didn't really um, associate New Zealand with, with football and stuff like that. Um, that's when I went back home 
um, played a season in non-league and I think I was 18 at the time. It was I found it pretty tough, actually. Um, mm. I wasn't playing as much as I liked. And then it was after, shortly after Christmas, I just picked up the phone to, to the guy over in, in New Zealand. And then, yeah, we had a, a few chats and a few phone calls and stuff. And then, yeah, four months later, I, I moved out there. And then, yeah, I think I played over there for maybe two, two seasons, two and a half seasons. Um, but yeah, I don't regret that at all. Yeah, I, I like during the, the pandemic, I've been finding weird and wonderful things to watch. So we've been talking about this in the show the last few months. I've been watching a lot of Australian and New Zealand football because it, it's like live on, on YouTube at like 10 o'clock, mm. 11 o'clock at night. So I've just been sitting watching that before bed on, on like Fridays and, and Saturdays. And the level, it, it's not bad. And it's some very picturesque venues and... I mean, yeah. just li- life. I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. I hope to at some point. It's definitely in my bucket list. How was it like, just the the lifestyle there and just living there? Oh, it, was, it was amazing, to be honest. So so good. I think the first, the, well, the first three four months. Um, well, I found it quite like tough to settle in and stuff because this was the first time I'd I'd lived away from home before, but I'd never lived in a completely different country, you know, on the other side of the world. So um, the first few months were tough, but once I got over that, um, yeah, it was amazing. Like the countries, the the country in general was really, really nice. Um, So you've got obviously two islands, the North Island and the South Island. Um, The first, the first season was uh, with a team in, in Auckland. Um, And then the second season was with a team in, in Wellington, which is the capital. Um, but yeah, I just met met so many people over there, and uh, even the football in in general. I think again, like it's, it's overlooked for sure. There's some good players in New Zealand, especially the young players that are coming through now, um, that uh, are now getting a chance to play for their national team and stuff like that. So I think in a few years you'll start to see, you know, some of these uh, make a name for themselves in Europe, um, 100%. Because yeah, there's some there's some really really good players over there who just need a chance. Um, and I think when they get that chance, they'll take it. Yeah, I, like I said, I've been enjoying watching it. But I, I guess having that experience, did that kind of give you a, a taste then for just trying different countries? Obviously, I, I read a, a thing you did on the CPL website that you'd you kind of were speaking to a couple of the guys that had been with Valor that were playing down there, like yeah. down in Sacramento. Did they tell you about the league here or was Canada a place that you'd always wanted to, to come and visit? I mean, why, why um... Canada? Why CPL? I think at the time I was in I was in New Zealand at the time when the CPL was first formed, so it was my first season in in New Zealand. I think this was the, uh, roughly the same time as when the um, inaugural season was taking place in in Canada, um, and then New Zealand obviously wasn't. It, it's like the the top division over there, but it's still classed as amateur, so it's not full time. Yeah. Um, so for me at the time, it was about going over there to play games and you know maybe even um, you know a bit of traveling and stuff like that outside of football um but then i always had an ambition to to get back into playing full time um so i spoke to stephen um stephen hoyle um, who was at valor um dylan sacramento um who was at valor and then um ahinga selamani who was um who's now signed for cavalry oh yeah um yeah so they were the three three main guys that i knew over there um so yeah, I spoke to Dylan and, and Stephen about it, um, and it was actually Stephen that put me in contact with with my agent now, um, Josh. So, yeah, if it wasn't for Stephen, to be honest, I don't know if, if, if I'd ever, you know, come here. So, 
football's a small world, but yeah, they, they were the, the three main guys that, you know, we spoke to over there um, who had played in this league before. And they were obviously saying, um, you know, they, they gave their opinion on it and stuff like that. And I just thought, you know, it's, it's, it's a way back into full-time football uh, for myself. So if I did get the chance to come and play, then yeah, I would, I would take it with both hands. And yeah, luckily, luckily that's happened. Yeah, and I mean, things have started off fantastic for you. One goal, two assists so far, some really good performances. We we were talking on our, our show last weekend that right now, it's like you've maybe been one of these under-the-radar players that maybe folk didn't know about, obviously, when you were coming in. But you, you've really stood out in, in these early games. How have you found the quality of the league compared to what you've been used to? I actually think it's a it's a good league, Con- considering you know some of the teams haven't had much of a preseason stuff yeah. like that, and you know we've been thrown into a bubble um, to to start the the first four weeks of the season. I actually think you know the competition from the teams that we've played has been has been good. You know the games have been competitive, um, and the standard the the, the standard of um, the the opposition that we've played have been have been good as well. Um, so I've actually been pleasantly surprised. Um, at the at the start and and you know how how good some of the players are in this league um obviously it's still a new league so it's still um you know growing and it's still looking at ways to you know get better and improve but i think for considering last season was you know a tournament style season in a bubble yeah. i think in three years the, the leagues you know come a long way and it's yeah for sure it's only going to get better from from here on out i think i mean watching pacific over these three seasons. The, the first season was a bit of a struggle for them. Last season, obviously, Pa came in, turned things around a little bit. This season, it, it feels the team has taken another step. The, the attack in particular, and I, I was asking Marco Bustos about this the other day, like yourself and Busti and Josh Heard, Matteo Polisi, Ten Campbell, it's such a dangerous attack. And you look... All of you guys look like you're having a lot of fun playing with each other out there. Yeah, um, yeah, I think we're all, you know, we're all. Firstly, we're all pretty comfortable, you know, on the ball, which is obviously uh, it's a it's a start. You know, I think we can all take the ball under pressure, and you know, we we're a team that likes to you know play with the ball and you know dominate possession. But with dominating possession, I think we have to you know look to you know create chances um, going forward as well. We can't just you know dominate possession and then you know not not um, have any end product, which is something that we've been working on over the last few weeks. And, you know, evidently that showed against against York when we managed to, yeah. you know, score two inside the first 10 minutes. But, yeah, I think as a as a squad so far, we're happy with, um, we're, we're happy with the start we've had, but we, are, we can, we, we know we can even, we can get even better from here. So, yeah, um, I think for the next two games, we're just looking to, can, well, continue what what what's got us success um, um, at the start of the bubble, but yeah, for sure we know we can we can be better, and yeah, we we we're going to keep training, you know, every day to to be as be as good as we can be, and yeah, I think the manager um, pushes us to to be better in training every day as well. I, I was going to ask you about Pa. I, I've known Pa for a number of years. He used to play for the Whitecaps over here, and uh, long distinguished career in the game at club and international level I, I love chatting to Pa he's such a character what is he like as a manager it's obviously the first time you've had experience with him but how, how yeah. have you found him as a as a head coach 
no, I really, really, really uh, enjoy working with him. Um, I think he's, you know, he's really passionate um, in in everything he does. I think he's got a really good um, relationship with all of his players. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his man and management skills are are good as well. Um, and you know, he treats everyone um, at the club um, as if we're like it's, it's cliche, but well, as if we're all like one big family. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, he's got a good relationship with us all um, off the pitch, which I think is important as well for a, for a player and a manager to have that sort of relationship um, with your players. But and then on the pitch, on the training pitch, or on the on the field on match day, he's just you know pushing you to to be the the best player you can be, and then ultimately, um, you know, to to essentially make sure that we win because you know that's the most important thing. We want to win games. We want to win championships. So. Yeah, I think for me, he's been he's, he's been excellent with me. He's made sure that you know, I've settled in quickly and I've you know been able to pretty much hit the ground running. So, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed working with him and then you know all the, all the boys and all the other backroom staff and you know everyone associated with the club has um, has made me feel at home straight away. So yeah, I can't I can't thank them enough for that. I'll tell you a little story about Pa that you probably don't know, but when he was with the Whitecaps. We won the Canadian Championship for the first time in, in 2015. So it's that's kind of like our version of the FA Cup, but with a, a much smaller n- number of teams in it. So yeah. y- you get a winner's medal and stuff like that. But because it was the Canadian Championship and because you're crowned Canadian champions, Pa felt that all the players should get championship rings, but that doesn't happen here. So he went oh. out and bought the whole squad championship rings out of his own pocket. <laughs> That's the kind of family yeah, that, yeah, that that's, he does, and yeah, for sure, that blew my mind when he when he did that. It's like you yeah, don't really see that happening in no. in the modern game that much. But the the position that you play, I, you can play centre mid. I know you can play attacking mid, even second striker. But your defensive work, especially like the last game, I noticed it in particular. You track back a lot. You do a lot of the heavy work defensively. Is that just something that's always been in your game, or is that something that Paz asked you to do this year? Honestly, growing up, it was it wasn't in my game that much. Right. Um. Through through the through my time at Villa and stuff, it was it was always something that the coaches would try and um you know get onto me about and and stuff like that because they knew what I could do on the ball and, and going forward and stuff, but. They just tried to, um, you know, get me to do the the dirty side of the game. But I think once you once you get older and you start playing, you know, competitive football and in a in a professional league against, you know, men, like you have to do that side of the game because, you know, you can't afford to to be good going forward and then you know not put your foot in and tackle like when you've not got the ball because you're essentially playing a man down. Then aren't you out of possession if, yeah. if guys aren't defending? So I think for for me as well. You know, I'm not the tallest or um, the strongest, but I just try and you know put my foot in and you know break attacks or just be as aggressive as possible when we haven't got the ball. And then, yeah, I think we we all know what we can do when we're on the ball. But for us, it's just about you know winning the ball back as quickly as possible and as as high up the pitch as possible. You know, especially when we lose it. But yeah, for me, it's something that Paz um, spoke to me about as well. You know, like the reaction. You know, when we lose the ball. Um, so yeah, I think slowly I'm I'm starting to you know understand what he wants from me out of possession. But yeah, I just try and you know do do my bit for the team and you know yeah just just work as hard as possible when we when we haven't got it. Who were the kind of players that you admired like when you were coming growing up, coming through the ranks? Is there anyone, not so much that you modelled your game on, but you just you really admired and loved watching as a player? I like watching 
uh, David David Silva in Man City. Yeah, he was one of the players that I like that I used to watch a lot when he was um, playing in the Premier League. Um, he was a, sim- a similar position, you know, an attacking midfielder or a centre midfielder. Um, so there was him, and I used to I enjoyed watching Iniesta and you know players like that who were just you know really good on the ball. Um, and then as a as a defensive midfielder, maybe someone like Verratti from from PSG. Uh, he's you know he's, he's small, but he's aggressive, you know, and he can play you know with the ball as well. So yeah, I would say them three are the, the three guys that I used to enjoy watching um, growing up. Cool. Just last last couple of things. I know you you've earned youth caps uh, with Northern Ireland. Is is your hope to to get back into the international frame? Kind of put yourself in the shop window in the CPL that folks start to take a bit notice. Maybe get a, even a, a bigger move, or are you just the kind of guy that just likes to take everything as it comes? Yeah, I think for, I just want to play play as well as possible. Um, just take every game um, as it comes and just focus on. You know, one game at a time, and then you know, if I if I play well enough consistently to to earn um, another international call up or or a move to to somewhere else, then yeah, we'll um, we'll cr- maybe cross that bridge when it comes to it. But I think for for me now, I just want to you know get my head down and you know work hard every day and training and stuff, and then just prove to the manager why I should be playing. Um, and then when I do get the chance to play, just make sure that I take it. Um, and yeah, come the end of the season, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Coming to Canada at this time during a, a pandemic, like playing football, I guess, all of last year during the pandemic when, when you finished in New Zealand and I know the non-league game was very heavily disrupted yeah. in the UK, but your journey even to Canada, I was reading it sounded horrendous. Like you had to fly into Mexico and quarantine oh. there and then Seattle and then to here and then quarantining again. I mean, that must yeah, have just it was, driven you nuts. Yeah, it was a nightmare. I think it was, I think it was five, five or six flights in like 15 days or something um so i went from i went from heathrow london heathrow to to paris and then paris to cancun in mexico um and then i had to stay in mexico for two weeks in in cancun um and then i flew from cancun to seattle seattle to vancouver and then i think i did i did one night of, of hotel quarantine in Vancouver before I got my um, test result back, my negative right. COVID test. And then once I got that back, I traveled from, uh, well, got the ferry from Vancouver to Victoria. And then I started my two weeks quarantine in Victoria. And then I was able to start training after that. So yeah, it was, it was pretty tough, but yeah, it had to be done. Yeah. Um, don't envy you had that. to be done to get here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, last thing, have you had a chance to explore the island much? I know you've probably only been there since, what, the start of May, and then you, you've headed off, obviously, into Winnipeg, but did you get a chance to look around Victoria much? Um, not really yet, no. Um, I haven't really done um, done too much of exploring the island and stuff like that. It was just a case of um, training and then pretty much, you know, getting ready for the bubble but I think when we get back and um, we get a few um, days off and stuff um, I'll probably look to to do a bit of exploring and stuff and then yeah see what see what the island's all about it, it's a it's a beautiful place I don't get over anywhere near as much as I, I would like it's so expensive to come over 
like it'd be yeah. my wife, my dog, and the car. Like that <laughs> alone, you're talking like 180 dollars just for the return trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mind hotels and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, I hope to get over for the the home opener. What two weeks away now? You must just be thirtieth. Yeah, it's all be two weeks tomorrow. July, yeah, Friday, yeah. You must just be so excited to get back playing in front of fans. Yeah, I think all the boys are. To be fair, we haven't. To be to be fair, we haven't actually spoke about it too much. Um, I think right. we've just been trying to concentrate on the last two games here, um, and then we'll you know con- we'll we'll look look ahead to to the game you know when we get back next week. But yeah, I think we just want to um, concentrate on these last two games, and then yeah, when we get back to the island, it will be nice to you know see everyone back in the stands, and then hopefully as soon as we get back, we can we can start off with a with a positive result and. You know, get get a win um, for our first home game back. But yeah, I think we just want to you know do as well as we can in these last two games, um, and then yeah, we'll 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 look at that uh, when the time comes. Yeah, fantastic. And you're you're in the fortunate position that you don't have a game the last weekend there, so you get to head home a bit early, which uh, is quite <laughs> nice for you guys. I, I guess you just want to get out of that bubble and start actually having a bit of life. Thank you so much for your time today, Ollie. We did go over as I, I said we probably would because I, I get a bit uh, no worries. I wish you all the very best for, for your time uh, at Pacific. Look forward to seeing you in person at, at some point soon. Great. I really appreciate your time today, Ollie. Good luck. Good luck no in problem. these last two Michael, games. thank you. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you soon. See you soon. Thank Here's, you very much. Take care, man. See you. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Pacific FC's Ollie Bassett there. Great chat with him, really enjoyed it. Super nice guy. Looking forward to seeing him in person. Looking forward to seeing what he can do with Pacific FC for the rest of the season. And as I mentioned, Pacific have now wrapped up their kickoff part of the, the CPL season. The tournament in Winnipeg is all done for them. They're flying home, getting set for taking on Cavalry FC next Friday night in their home opener, in front of fans. A lot more Pacific FC chat to come in this episode, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Dana Klanikin. I'm uh, You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, one of, the, one of the great productions that we have in Canada. Between you and me is a body of water back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM and kicking off this part it's a nice mellow song for you it's a theme song for uh, one of the New Zealand drama shows that I started watching last year it's called The Gulf and that song is by a band called Moniker and it's called Body of Water 
I thought that was just apt because the lyrics go, Between you and me is a body of water. And of course, between the Whitecaps and Pacific FC, there's a body of water. I still hope one day that they might build a bridge to save us getting the ferry, but that might just be a bit of a pipe dream. But that, that TV show, The Gulf, highly recommended. I was trying to find out where you can watch it here, because I've been watching it through VPNs and just downloads from, from Reddit over the last couple of years. It is on Acorn TV or Sundance now, if you've got kind of Amazon Prime and you've got that as, a, as an add-on. It's a pretty gritty drama. It's on the second series. We're working our way through that just now. We're up to episode three of it. Quite a good. I've been watching loads of New Zealand shows. I've become quite obsessed with New Zealand, so I have no idea why. Watching football, watching comedy shows, New Zealand Taskmaster is fantastic. You know what you need to watch next? What? This fall, New Zealand Lego Masters, featuring Abbotsford's own Robin Sather. Oh, really? Yeah, he's why, like, why, the, he's like the, the New Zealand one. He's the he's the, like the judge or whatever. Oh, okay. He's a certified Lego professional, the first oh. ever certified lego professional i let's let's be honest a lot of people that have a lot of time with lego should be certified so not casting aspersions at at you zach this final part of the show though we're going to continue chatting about the cpl and pacific fc now pacific fc rounded off their kickoff tournament tonight they are one of the teams as we mentioned that is now done and dusted they can get home and they finished in style. An absolutely amazing 4-2 win over Atletico Ottawa on Wednesday night. Two goals down in the early going. Two goals down, I think, in the first 14 or 15 minutes. Then Ben McKendry gets sent off for Ottawa for a very high challenge, boot in the face to Matteo Polisi, who we're going to well, hear was, from shortly. It wasn't, it wasn't that high. It was fine. It caught his ear. Uh, Although Matteo is small, so yeah, uh, th- th- so, there's that. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's not be too hard on Ben. I mean that that was the that was the game changing moment. But I mean you've still got to come back and you've got to get the the business done. Pacific got a penalty. Bustos got brought down. Diaz scores from the spot, and then after that, I thought, yeah, Pacific's got this. It was a Diaz hat trick, first of the season from Ten Campbell, four two win in the end. Atletico's coach, Mista, got sent off for getting yeah. two yellow cards for verbally abusing the referee. One at the sending off, one at the penalty decision. Joined not at the English. translator, right? No, not the translator. His English has really improved. He's doing interviews in English now, so that's good. He, it was his translator that had got sent off. In the last show, I said, I remember watching a game where a translator got oh, sent off. Oh, that's right. You're it right. Was it was. His translator. Yeah, I, thought you, right. I thought when you... I, I, thought on, I do recall that. To, um, Jose Mourinho getting sent off for Bobby Robson, but that probably didn't happen. Mm. But when Mr. got sent off, he joined Pamidou Ka in the stand, who was suspended for this game for getting sent off at the end of the last game against Forge for getting two yellow cards as well, so... Some of the refereeing in this tournament has left a lot to be desired. I mean, I like not having VAR, but some of these performances make you think, "Mm, maybe, yeah. Zach's, I'm not sure if Zach's in favour of that or not, but probably not. Michael, I mean, VAR is, is, the VAR is done better in some places in the world than others, but I, I, you know what? I'd rather have VAR where whatever the chances are, 99.8% that you're going to get the call right. 
mm. um, than have some of the officiating that we've seen in this. Well, Pacific finish, as things stand just now, they've played their eight games, so they're second in the table on 14 points, four behind Valor FC, who still have one game to play. Mm. Forge, 12 points in third spot. Cavalry, 11 in fourth. They meet on Thursday night. That should be a cracker. Alan Koch's FC Edmonton got a big win today over Halifax Wanderers, taking them up to fifth on eight points. Ottawa, sixth with seven points. Then York on six points. Then bottom of the table, Wanderers. Now, it's a single table format, and you're already looking at that. And, like, the points, Valor, 18, could finish with 21. Pacific, 14. Valor's playing Halifax, too. So yeah. they're playing so the bottom of the table. So they've they got should a good be. chance. Yeah. And if there's a winner between Forge or Cavalry, whoever wins that, along with Pacific and Valor, massive for me getting these points on the board early. There's already the top four make the playoffs, and there's already a little bit of a split kind of happening there. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. But, I mean, Pacific, it's been a, a lot of fun. I'm going to play a little bit of audio now from assistant coach James Merriman. I spoke to him before their final game, just asking him for his thoughts on the season so far and what he feels the team needs to work on to to make it to the playoffs for the rest of the season. Here's what he had to tell me. This is your, your last game before you, you get to finally head back home, which I, I'm sure you're all really looking forward to. Can you talk? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the growth that you've seen from the team so far in this tournament, and what your key takeaways are that you feel you need to go back and work on now, back in Langford? Yeah, I think. I mean, as expected, these were our first games, right? We didn't we didn't have any any friendlies coming into the to the start of the season, um, so you don't know you don't know what where we're going to be, where we're going to be as, as a team. We have some new players. How are those players going to mix um, when it's a real, when it's a real match? So I think we've learned a lot about our players um, and different combinations of players and within our units, within our team. Uh, we've learned, we've learned a lot. As, as you said, we're spending every day in the bubble here. So uh, you get to spend a lot of time, you know, debriefing matches and, and really diving into games and, and connecting with our players, learning more about who we have and what we have as a group. And I think, you know, what we've seen is some very, very strong performances, some some uh, some performances that we're really happy with. And as a group, we felt great about. And then some performances that, that obviously we expect uh, more from us, from ourselves, from our group and, and individually. So, um, the biggest thing is we want to find that consistency, right? As, as we grow into the season, and I think we know our potential. We've seen our potential in a couple of matches, um, and and most importantly now is that we start to find that consistency at that level, playing at that level. Um, but we're good. We're in a, we're in a good place. It's been a great experience. I mean, we've we've had seven matches. We've got one more game. Um, it's a great body of work. We've spent a ton of time together. We've dove in deeper into how we want to play and who we want to be this year. Um, and I think we're in a really good place. Pacific FC assistant coach James Merriman there, just chatting about Pacific's start to the season and looking at what they need to work on to make sure that at the end of the next 20 games, they're going to be in the playoffs and fighting for the CPL title. Certainly wouldn't put it past them. They have got a fantastic young team there. 
I'm pretty sure they're going to give the Whitecaps a, a wonderful game over on the island on August 26th. Right now, I would not be surprised if they're going to head into that one as favourites, but we'll see. A lot of it will, of course, depend on what kind of team the Whitecaps put out there. And James, just one of a number of people involved Pacific FC that have very strong Whitecaps connections. He was a coach with the Whitecaps in their academy for a number of years, as he mentioned earlier in the show. And there's going to be a lot of players certainly up for that and a lot of players hoping to maybe impress the Whitecaps as well and maybe secure a move to the MLS team come the end of the season. And we're going to round off this episode of the show now with uh, a chat I had with a player that does have Whitecaps connections, albeit quite brief ones. Matteo Polisi was briefly in the Whitecaps residency programme, a Coquitlam Metroford graduate. He had some training stints over in Belgium before ending up heading south and joining the, the Timbers Academy for a couple of years. He was part of the Coquitlam Metroford side that lifted the BC Provincial Under-15 Cup in 2015. Had some tryouts over in Europe before settling for a college career with Simon Fraser University. Joining up with his brother Marcello up at SFU. And the Polizzi brothers had a fantastic time at SFU. Very successful, worked really well together. Both, of course, now in the Canadian Premier League. Marcello at Halifax Wanderers and Matteo with Pacific FC. And it's been great to watch Matteo's rise the last couple of years. I've watched him play with SFU. I've watched him play with TSS Rovers. Watched him play locally in the VMSL with a, a couple of teams as well. And now watching him take to the pitch in the Canadian Premier League with Pacific, it's fantastic. I'm sure there's a very bright future ahead for Matteo. And it's been a, a wonderful couple of weeks for him. He's made his pro debut. He's got his first pro goal. He's played against his brother in the CPL. So I got a chance to chat with Matteo last week. Again, just like Ollie Bassett, it was just before they had their final two games still to play. But it was good to catch up with him again, just to, to talk about his move into the pro ranks, the season so far, and a lot more besides. So go grab another hot beverage and a, your favourite biscuit of choice and listen to our chat with Pacific FC striker Matteo Polisi. So delighted to be joined now by a man we know very well here at AFTN and if you've been watching the CPL this season you'll have seen him. If you've been following TSS Rovers or SFU in recent years you'll know him well from that. Welcome to the show Matteo Polisi. Yeah, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. And the last couple of weeks, Matteo, you've made your pro debut. You've got your your first pro goal. Italy's won the Euros. It <laughs> must have been a pretty fantastic couple of weeks for you. Yeah, honestly, it's it's been great. All three, all everything you you mentioned there, uh, it's been fantastic. Italy winning the Euros. Yeah, making my debut and um, scoring my first goal. But it's it's been honestly. Uh, so much fun in uh, in Winnipeg right now, actually getting games in. I mean, for me, I hadn't played uh, a competitive game, really. It was, I think, in 2019, must have been my last competitive game with SFU. Yeah. Um, so it's been, I mean, so long and just training and stuff with COVID by myself and then getting a deal with Pacific and then just still training there for so long. Um, and finally getting games at competitive games for points, 
it just feels different, you know, getting out there. It means more. You can, you can feel it. Yeah. And, yeah, it, I mean, um, last year, I mean, it must have been so tough because uh, we, we've all been waiting for you and Marcello to to get a pro deal somewhere for probably a couple of a years now, really. Yeah. And I know you were in the the draft for for MLS, but as Canadians, it's always tough to to get picked out of that. W- yeah. Was this the year that you, you both kind of said, "Look, this is the year we, we need to go pro this year. It's got to be this year." Yeah, basically. Honestly, what happened was when COVID first happened back, um, I guess it was like over a year ago, over a year ago, probably like 16 months now-ish. Um, uh, obviously, all soccer stopped, even pro leagues. And then we were kind of just doing nothing. And then we started working to make some money because we were just like nothing else to do. Um, and then it kind of got to like summertime and our season wasn't going to happen with SSU, we realized. And basically, our coaches at SSU, too, were just like, you guys got to leave now. Like, there's no point of waiting. You got to try to find options um, somewhere else. Like, there's no point of waiting for one more year. Like, you guys are just getting older now. So that's when we kind of just started exploring options, maybe possibly going to Europe or um, trying to talk to CPL teams. And I have a good connection with James just because – she coached me back when I was uh, U15, provincial ah. team, actually. Yeah. So I've known him for, for quite a number of years. And, and uh, even when Pacific first started, um, James has like always been checking in on me, seeing how I'm doing. And even I went to go train there the first year. Um, so kind of always had that relationship there. So then um, basically I, I got in contact with uh, James in August of last year. Um just seeing they were away in the bubble, but just basically saying like, you know, what are you guys' plans? Kind of, do you guys have any room? And then I just went to go train with them at the end of the season, kind of back in October, November um, of, of last year. And then uh, the deal came through and um, I'm happy to be here, honestly, but like it kind of, when COVID happened, that's kind of when we mature realized that just like, you know, we can't just sit around and wait because who knows what's going to happen and with every, with all of the soccer. We knew now at that point, professional sports were the only sports that were going on. There was college sports yeah. and amateur sports were all being stopped, but however, professional sports were starting to continue. So it was just like we needed to get into, into an environment there. I mean, absolutely. And it's like football such a short career. You don't want to waste any time because there's always younger guys kind of coming yeah. through behind you exactly. and stuff as well. So, like, going to Pacific, uh, let, let's talk through through your debut. After all the work that you've put in, I mean, you've, you've been a guy, you've not been afraid to go and chase your dream. I mean, you were down in Portland with the Timbers for a while and... Mm-hmm. You've this has always been your goal for for so long. Don't step on the pitch and to to make that debut. What what was that moment like for you? Honestly, even though there was no fans or anything like that, though I, I had a, just a crazy amount of like energy and adrenaline. Just just being on the pitch in in a professional game, first game, you can just feel the intensity of the game and 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 the speed of play. It's faster. And just, just, I had just like a buzz, even though I was on the field for like a couple minutes, I still, I still felt myself having like a, just a buzz on the field, just hungry, just wanting 
wanting more. And even after the game, you know, I played a couple minutes, but I thought I did well. I, I pressed. I I was I was working hard, and that's all you can do when you get that much time. But I was happy with that, and um, the coaches put more trust in me, giving me more opportunity, and and I think I've done well with it so far. Let's talk about the other big highlight so far. Well, there's two more highlights to talk about, but we'll talk about your first pro goal. I I was delighted for you. When I was watching it and Thank it you. went in, I'd let out a huge yell, having watched you for so many years now. Okay. Y- your reaction as well, you could see just how much that, that meant to you. Tell us a little bit about that. It's always been, obviously, as a kid, to play professional and then to score professionally is obviously another dream of mine and, and really just it, it, the emotion of that actually happening and the reality of it, it sinking in was just like, wow, like I, I, I did it like, you know what I mean? But um, always still wanting to push, push for more and never staying satisfied, always wanting more, always staying hungry, but just the, the relief kind of getting that first score just, it means a lot. Yeah. Honestly, really special moment. I guess it's a weight off your shoulders as well, because as a striker, you know what it's like. It's like, oh, when's that first goal coming? And I remember when Alfonso Davies was here and he was playing USL with the Whitecaps. He was always getting asked, oh, when are you going to get your first goal? When are you are going to get your first goal? And then just the relief to, to get that. It, it, was it a mixture yeah. of like joy and relief? Yeah. It, honestly, it wasn't really so much relief. It's not like I had... I have. Uh, it's been like, you know... 20 games and I haven't yeah, scored. That's true. Right? Like that was my only, it was my second start eight minutes or six minutes into my second start and I scored a goal. And I think that just shows like what I can do at this level. Like, you know, I'm, I've been a goal scorer at the college and PDL level and I can continue or I plan to continue on and having that same impact at this level. You talked about the game being a little bit quicker. Is that the biggest difference that you've noticed from from playing like with SFU, from playing with with, with TSS, and like how difficult was it to get back into the swing of things after being out for like a year and a half? Yeah, I I would say yeah, just the speed of play, like um, as well as just players are more intelligent; they have more better of a like soccer IQ. But at the same time, I find it it's easier actually to play with better players in a way because everyone thinks faster. Every, the game's played in your head, not like, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's more of a, a thinking game. And yeah, the players are, are fast and strong as well. But I mean, the game's played, especially the way we want to play, it's mainly played in, in, in the head. The way we want to play, we want to be a possession-style team. I think everyone can see that. And I think the quality of players that we have, we're able to play that kind of style. I spoke to Ollie Bassett yesterday and like for me he's been one of the the big unsung heroes really well, I don't even know if you can say that anymore he's getting a lot of attention but like yeah. bringing a guy like, like Ollie in and then you've got Marco Bustos and then yourself Josh Hare Tern Campbell like Diaz it's such an exciting attack that Pacific's got just now yeah. and you all seem to be playing as a really close-knit unit and it must be so exciting for you to have those guys around you. Yeah, like like I was saying before, the, like the quality of players around me makes it, makes it easier for me to do my job when the service that you get from, you know, you're talking about Ollie, how 
he's a player that's made an instant impact on the team. Um, and you can, everyone can see it. And, and you know, players like Bustos, Terran, Diaz, all, everyone really, the, the quality on, in the final third that we have is very high. So it's, it's, it's good. It's been a joy to play with everyone. I've known Pa for six, seven years now since he was here with the Whitecaps and I've always loved the guy. He's just such a character. How have you found him as a coach? He seems like one of those coaches that's a real kind of player's coach. It's like, it just seems that he's got a great relationship with all you guys. Yeah, Pa Pa is, um, he's a very demanding coach on the field. Uh, of his players, he 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 wants a, um, a certain standard, a certain level. But I mean, Pa, he he is a player's coach. He he he, you know, he'll always put your arm his arm around you and tell you what what he thinks, what you can do better, and and encourage you. And you know, if you do well, you'll feel the love from him. And even if you're not doing well, um, he he'll still put his arm around you and try to lift you and try to get the most out of you. Um, I I feel like you know he genuinely cares about every single player on the team. You know that's why he says we're all family, um, and I feel it from him. Uh, yeah. Now, of course, the the other big personal highlight for you, I'm sure, came on Tuesday playing against Marcello. It yeah. was I, I was so disappointed in the very first game that Marcello was still like coming out of his quarantine and yeah. everything. You couldn't face off each other. So then I saw that you were on the bench. I was like, "Oh no! Hopefully yeah. you're you're going to come on." But what what was that moment like for the pair of you? Yeah, it wasn't super long for us being on the field together. But uh, you know, we're so used to playing with each other. Yeah. And we talk about college, PDL, and even VMSO. You know, we went to Reno yeah. and then we went to CCV. Like we've been playing on the same team literally since for like four four or five years I guess, I think four years probably at least um so yeah seeing him on the on the opposite end of the team you know playing against him it, it was weird but um it, it, it was fun going up against him you know I I tried to get close to him see if I could give him a little tackle but I wasn't able to um yeah he said he was going to go for your ankles I was waiting for yeah. that <laughs> yeah we didn't we didn't have a any any duels, but maybe next time we play each other, hopefully we do. We'll see who comes out on top. <laughs> I hope I hope to speak to him next week, so I'll, I'll see what he says about that. Pacific just now, though, like you're playing some lovely football, and you've got the points on the board early. I know there's been a couple of draws in there, but even though it's like pre-season, that this seems a crucial time to get a little bit of gap between your yeah. and some of the other teams, which you seem to be doing. How are you looking at the 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 team. I mean, you've been a lot around a lot of teams. You've seen all the other teams either play against them or probably seen them on TV or whatever. How good do you feel the team's going to be this year? Very good, to be honest. Um, I think you can see it when when we're on, when our team is on. Um, I think that uh, we're very, very, very dangerous. The problem with us, maybe the, for the first games, has just been at times our consistency. Um, but uh, it's early in the season. Maybe that's a, it expected. And, and um, but you can see that when we're on, we're on. And if we can get to the level where we're consistently always on, I think we can win it. And I think we can go far. Um, 
but I think that will be the biggest challenge for us is staying, staying on the front foot, staying consistent. And if we can do that, um, always playing the, the brand of football that we want, I think we can, we can do very, very well this year. Yeah, I, I genuinely think that as well. It It's such an entertaining team to watch. I, I tweeted out after Tuesday's game, even the nil-nil draws are entertaining because the brand of football that Pa's got you playing, it, it's, yeah. it's fun to watch. And as someone that's been watching the Whitecaps this season, it's nice to actually see a team that that is having a little bit of a attacking play, which is quite rare to see. How how have you found like bubble life? I I know some of the guys. It's been a little bit tougher for them, and like you're a big family guy and you're a social guy. Yeah. Has it been tough for you? Yeah, it's been it's been honestly yeah obviously a little bit boring at times. Yeah. I mean, you. It's, the same stuff i mean all we're doing is going to the field and back to our hotel um but you have to look at the bright side i mean we're able to play games right now i mean it's exciting um and it's not too long it's only going to be like four weeks we have i think just like six days left and and we'll be back so yeah it's obviously not been the easiest i mean just being in a bubble and not being able to actually go and do anything but we're we're all looking forward to get back home and playing at home for sure. Who's your roommate? Ali, Ali. Yeah, I, I saw him briefly in the background, so I was curious who it was because <laughs> yeah. I know you're you're sharing a house with Baldy, and he told me and Ali and Ali as Ali. well. I knew it was. I yeah. couldn't remember who the other person was because I spoke yeah, to Baldy a few weeks ago. Yeah, that must be fun. Yeah. Like getting yeah. back then to to Victoria, playing in front of fans. I hope to make it over for the opener. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to because it's Friday night. But how much are you looking forward to that? Taking foot on the pitch, having the fans there cheering you on. Looks like it's going to be maybe five thousand. Yeah, it looks like five thousand will be our capacity uh, right now. But I mean, honestly, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to. It. I mean, uh, I've never really played in front of like real fans yeah. um in in that kind of environment so playing in front of fans would be something uh, i've dreamed of playing in front of fans you know getting that i'm sure there's, there'll be that extra adrenaline of your home fans cheering you on and honestly yeah i can't wait last couple of things i was on a call last night with colin from tss so he was speaking like he was so proud of seeing you playing in cpl now and the other guys as well when you look back at, at those years with TSS, I know it wasn't the, always the most successful on the pitch, but it seemed to be a lot of fun at times playing in front of the Swan Guardians and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah no, TSS, it, it was enjoyable for sure, yeah, playing playing at Swan Guardian pitch. Um, yeah, and even the fans of Swan Guardians, you know, there's sometimes not a lot of them out there, but it adds it adds a special atmosphere for like a amateur or semi-pro, whatever you want to call it, league. Um, but no, and uh, my time at TSS for sure helped me uh, develop as a player, just getting lots of games in and you're playing against good opposition too. Um, a lot of uh, quality players that, you know, you see some of them going, going on to play in the USL or even MLS or those guys down in the States. So last thing, and then I've got two quick fun things to do with you, but like, last thing, I know you don't want to probably share too much because it's like personal stuff, but goals for the season, is it just to, to kind of keep developing, get a few few goals in? Have you kind of, you don't need to tell me, but have you set yourself a target as to how many goals you'd like this year? 
Yeah, I've, I have an idea in my head, yeah, um, of, of what I want to reach. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's no secret. I'm not going to shy away from the fact that I want to be a, a big player for this team. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and I'd be lying if I was telling you that I'd be happy just, you know, being on the 18, you know, just making the team. That's not who I am. I'm yeah. trying to be, <laughs> I'm, I won't shy away from that. I mean, I want to be a big player for the team and I hope it will show. I hope I can. That's the attitude to have it. Because for me, a player that's just like, oh, I'm happy just to make the 18, that, that isn't what yeah. you want. You want to be no. a guy that you're disappointed if you're left out. The games yeah, are coming thick and fast, obviously, as well. So, I mean, I know there'll be a lot of rotation. How have you found that? Because I've noticed, like, the games recently, the, the quality's dipped. Not just specifically, I'm talking across all these games. Yeah. It seems the energy levels have definitely gone down a little bit with a lot of the, the players. Yeah, I mean, we've had, I think, on Saturday will be like our fifth game in 13 days. So, I mean, we've been playing every two days, like a game, two days off game. It's, it's been tough for the guys, um, especially for the, some of the guys that have played almost every minute. Um, I mean, yeah, it is very tiring. You can see that, but I mean, at least it's, it's uh, we have two games left and when we get back, there'll be, There'll still be, honestly, quite a bit of games in a short amount of time, but it, it will be more stretched out, so um, it'll be a bit more, a bit more time for recovery in between each game. And like once you get back as well, you're lucky that you guys you're not playing next weekend, so you get to to get away from the bubble quite early as well. So that yeah, that'll be quite yeah. good for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's been a pleasure watching your career up to now. It's been a pleasure seeing you on the pitch in CPL action hope to see you in person soon enough yeah thanks so much Matteo but it's been a pleasure chatting to you and yeah good luck man take care awesome yeah no thanks for having me it's been a pleasure Matteo Polisi there great to catch up with him again look forward to seeing him in action in the flesh uh, against the Whitecaps when he plays them at the end of August. In the meantime, we'll just have to watch for him on TV and wish him and his brother Marcello all the very best. We'll also be catching up with Marcello in a future episode soon as well. And it's just great to see both of them now sign their first pro deals in the pro ranks. Colin Elms from TSS tells a, a, a story that last year during the pandemic, he was just walking down the street and he heard someone shouting, Hey, Colin! Turned round and saw both the police brothers hanging off the, the back of a bin wagon because they had to, as as he said there, just get some work, get some jobs, just to, to try and tide themselves over before they could actually get their football careers up and running. I mean, obviously, the, the COVID pandemic has hit a, a number of people, a number of businesses, a number of areas really, really hard. And for young footballers wanting to make a go of it in the pro game, it's really limited just what their opportunities are. But but that's one of the many reasons why it's great to have the Canadian Premier League. And it's great to have that vehicle for guys like Matteo and Marcello to, to catch the eye, hopefully move on to bigger and better things in the future. We wish them both all the very best.
But that is nearly it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. But we can't leave you without bringing you a wavelength. And for this episode, I'm bringing you an absolute cracker of a track from last year, a Liverpool band called Courting. This is simply called Football. Liverpool band courting there with their single football. They're a much-heralded band from England. Check them out. Really love that sound. Really love that style. Really love that song. Hope you did as well. But that is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. But just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at ZacharyAM. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada, on Instagram at AFT in Soccer, and on YouTube at AFT in Canada. Give us a like and a subscribe and all the stuff that the young kids tell you to do in all their videos. We'll be back next week, but until then, thanks for listening. I take care and mourn the returning caps. Bye, everyone. Go into your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
Et...